We are continuing in on our series about healing for spirit, soul, and body. I began it last week. Uh, Our messages are on YouTube if you miss a message, or you can go to the website. Uh, We do a podcast. You can listen that way if you're on the run. Um, It's so important to connect what I'm saying in one message to another. You really can't go back and repeat too much because there's so much to understand about healing. I feel like you could just go on for weeks and weeks. And I understand now why some people, like we went to a school where uh, the main uh, minister of the school would do seminars on it, and he would say, I'm going to start today, and I'm going to preach in the morning, and I'm going to preach in the evening, and I'm going to come back the next day and preach in the morning and the evening. And maybe by the end of the week, faith would begin to rise up in your heart about God, what God wants to do for you, about the healing power of God. And so I know that uh, one message on a Sunday is not going to do it. I try to pack in a lot into these notes. I can get myself overwhelmed, I think. I want to I try to share so many things with you. But hook up your heart by faith. Would you do that? Yes. You know, let's just pray for a moment before we begin. Holy Spirit, help us. We are here in your presence. We have felt your presence. We've sung about you. We've worshipped you. And we are asking you to be the teacher. Lord, use my lips the things that you've shown me in this message. I pray that people would not hear me, though, Lord. They would hear you. I pray you would rearrange our crooked thoughts and our wrong thinking and would open up our hearts to receive all of your goodness, all of your love, and even heal our bodies because of it. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this series, like I said, is about healing for spirit, soul, and body. And as part of our salvation, that's what... We've been given salvation is wholeness for our whole being, our whole spirit, our soul, and our body. And I began last week by laying a foundation talking about God's original plan for man, for mankind, what he was doing in the garden when he created Adam and Eve. And you do know that Adam and Eve are our great, 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 great to a thousand, you know, they're our great grandparents. That God said from one man, from one blood, he, he made all creation. He created all men to populate the earth. And at, we, we talked about this just a bit last week, that every day of creation was wonderful and good. The third day, the fourth day, God would say he saw everything that he made and it was good. But when we got to the sixth day, that was his crowning glory of creation because Adam was created on that day. And when he breathed into Adam the breath of life, Adam then was made in the image and likeness of God. And as beautiful as all creation is, the plants, the animals, the birds, the sky, the universe, the stars, man is the crowning creation. Because his breath of life, the consciousness of God, was breathed into man. And now he had his plan that he said to have dominion over the earth, Adam and Eve, make more sons and daughters, populate the earth, have dominion, be blessed. Be fruitful and multiply. And he fellowshiped. We have, a, we have a sense when we get into Genesis that God walked with them because after Adam sinned, it said God came and walked in the, in the coolness of the garden looking for Adam. So we have some indication that during that time he walked with them, he fellowshiped with them in the garden, in the perfect beauty of the garden. Why did he create Adam and Eve? He wanted a family. This is why... We have our family. We take our understanding of family from the original family of God. A family to love. Do you love your family? 
when you have children, do you want to love them and, and have the best for them? Well, we get those feelings and emotions from God. That's how he feels towards us. And so it was the beginning of his magnificent family on the earth. Was there any sickness in that family? No. Was there any violence and hatred there? No. Was there any death there? No. We see none of that in God's original creation. I said last week when God did this, he, it's like a master painter. He puts down his brush after he makes this incredible, magnificent design on a canvas and says, it's very good. I'm done. This is the way it's meant to be. And God still has that intention for us. He wanted only fullness of life and beauty for his people. We were, we were, we, I say we because we were in Adam, in perfect harmony with God. It's just like the song that we sang. Is he worthy? Is all creation groaning to go back to that place where we will want to again dwell again with him? And the beauty of it is now by faith we can touch it. We can touch that by faith. We did, we did. This is why some of us were like, yes, because we're touching, we're touching him. I know sometimes, I remember the first time we went and came into a church where they were excited about the things of God. And some like, you're looking around like, what are they so excited about? Because your mind isn't renewed yet to see the truth. But when it becomes renewed, you get excited because you're touching him again. And so God's life and his goodness was permeating everything in the garden. That was his original plan. You were born. <laughs> I just heard the song this week by David Crowder, Back to the Garden. And the lyrics in the song were, you were born to be royal. You were born to be free. Yeah. We could say that about ourselves. And then the rest of the lyrics say, but I was torn from the garden when that devil lied to me. Yeah, so true. But you were born to be royal. Say that. I was born, I was born to, be to be royal. Say with me. I was born, I was born to, be free. to be free. It's the truth. Amen. It is the truth. But see, through Adam's sin, through one man's sin, then death came to all of humanity. And after that... After Genesis, you read the first three chapters of Genesis, everything's going good. But then Genesis, at the end of chapter 3 and into 4, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, Everything changes. When Adam and Eve had to, were torn from the garden, God had them leave the garden. They had to be separated from, their sin, from God. Their sin separated them. Her first child, Cain, murders his son, his brother rather, Abel, over jealousy. So it didn't take long for sin to have its destructive effects. And then you just keep reading the page after page after page in the Bible. You see violence, you see hatred, you see fear, you see rebellion, you see sickness hit the human race. It, it, it's all throughout humanity ever since. And the theme of the story of the Bible, the plan of redemption that God had right there in the garden, that one would be coming that was going to bruise or cut off the head of the serpent, of the devil, so that his people could be welcomed back to the garden, so to speak. 
And he, we were sold. Scripture says we were sold into the slavery of sin. The word redemption means to buy back. So there was a penalty that had to be paid. God had to pay a penalty because we couldn't pay it. It demanded a perfect sacrifice to get us back into perfection with him. So he sends his son who pays the full penalty for your sin and my sin on the cross. That's why he came. He came, we sang the word rescue in one of these songs. You rescued us. These songs have so much meaning. They don't, they're not just there to take up 15 minutes of time at the beginning of a service. They're there to prepare our hearts to hear the, the word of God. So our hearts would become open to receive what God has for us. And so he forgave us of our sin. And he reconciled us back to him. Now, there's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness of sin, for instance, in a, in a relationship where maybe someone is, two people are offended at each other. You can forgive someone their sin, and that's good. We should, we must. But there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Because reconciliation in a relationship means you're, it's restored to its original condition. There's harmony there. There's genuine friendship there. There's genuine fellowship there. Sometimes we cannot reconcile with people that we have forgiven. It's just not possible. We need to forgive. But reconciliation is a beautiful thing when it's possible. And I, I want, this is not on the PowerPoint, but I wanted to include this this morning. If you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do. Second Corinthians 5 talks about this reconciliation with God. So important that we open up our heart to understand this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about the truth that we've been made new creations in Christ when we're born again, when we give our life to Christ. It says, old things have passed away, all things are new and all things are of God. Well, you don't look any different on the outside, but in the spirit realm, things have changed. Yeah. And this is part of learning to walk by faith and not just judging the world by our five physical senses. But it goes on then after that, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. Verse 18, it says, after we've become new creations, it says, but all things are from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He brought us into harmony with himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we would bring others into reconciliation. Okay, verse 19. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. God was doing this for us. He wanted our relationship to be like it was in the garden. He wanted us to be restored, yes. And it says, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them in full and committing to us the message of reconciliation. Then go on to verse 21. It says this, for our sake, and I like to personalize this. When you read the Bible, personalize it. This is part of developing that personal relationship with Christ. So, it's a, so you could say, for my sake. He made Christ to be sin who knew no sin. He's doing it for you on the cross. So that in and through him we might become the righteousness of God. 
See, we were righteous in the garden. We had full privilege in the garden as a son or daughter of God. And the, I love the way the Amplified puts this. It says what we ought to be. <laughs> in other words, God's original plan, he fulfilled whenever Jesus took our sin on the cross, died and rose from the grave. when We were justified that God said, now you're back. Now you're back in my favor. So we are, it says in the Amplified, approved and acceptable and in right relationship him by his goodness, what we ought to be, who we were meant to be. So we've been put back in the spirit. I know we don't feel like it. <laughs> we don't look like it necessarily because we still walk in a flesh body that's subject to death. But in the spirit, we have been fully reconciled back to God in friendship. And these truths are just so important not to hurry over. And they really do have to do with the healing of our body. Yeah. Seeking God to understand, do you really want me healed? Did you heal me? We all have questions about that. Because, but by faith, we can touch our original position with Christ. We can have a foretaste now of what he gave us. Right. And if, you want, if we don't understand what he's doing in the garden, if it's just the garden story, the Adam and Eve story, uh, if we don't understand his deep love for us, what, what he was doing there, his motivation to bless us, I want you as a son or daughter in my family. I want you to share the beauty and the wisdom of the universe, which we are going to get to do for the ages to come. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. And then so when he tells us this, when we're, we read this, that you're reconciled to me. It's like he's saying, I never stopped loving you. I did everything I could to break down the wall that sin caused so that you could be one with me again. And if I don't get it, which we often, we don't, when we first read this, we don't get it. Our minds are just built up with, how many of you got that when you read that the first time? You jumped out of your seat and you said, yes, I'm, I don't think so. In fact, after 20-some years, 25, whatever many years it's been, almost 30, walking with God, last night as I was going through these notes, that's how I felt. It was like, oh, my God, Lord, we really are, I'm really, I am really one with you again. The door's wide open. But if I don't get it, you know, you could read that and go, well, that's nice, but God, what are you so excited about? You know, <laughs> Right? I mean, it reminds me, it reminded me then of the story of the prodigal son. And I understand why better the father ran to that prodigal. I mean, the prodigal, you know, took his inheritance, squandered it in sin, and then found himself in a pig pen. And he came to his senses. Thank God for when we come to our senses. Like, what am I doing here when I have, I have my father's house? And so he's like, I know I've sinned. I'm just going to go back and tell my father, I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be your son. So the, but the father, what does the father do? He runs to him. He sees him coming. He's not like, well, I'm just, you just get over here and, you know, you give me a whole story of why. You, no. He already knew what he did for him. He ran to him. Give him my robe, put that ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, throw a big party for him, right? And I think this is what God 
wants to do. And, and it's interesting, the attitude of the older brother. Well, I've obeyed you all these years. And you never did anything like this for me. And the father's response is so telling. He says, son, he pleaded with him, come out and enjoy the celebration. He, he pleaded. He's like, son, everything I have has always been yours to enjoy. I mean, this, this hit home with me too, as I was just looking at this last night. It was like, he's telling that son, you could have partaken of this anytime. The door's been wide open. Your own wrong thinking has blocked you from it. And I thought, wow, you know, my own wrong thinking can shut the door to a whole table that's spread before me of blessing, healing in my life just by my wrong thinking. And the truth is that we are the ones who hold our hearts far off from the love of God. We're the ones who do it. We're our own worst enemies. Sometimes we think, God, I'm just waiting on you. And God's like, I'm waiting on you to open up your heart. I've already done everything. I've already reconciled you to myself. You're in perfect harmony with me. We don't want to be like that older son. Amen. Well, I've been obeying you. I've been doing everything right. Why don't you ever just jump in? That's how the Lord was like, just jump in. And entertain this. See, this is part of our mind renewal because we withhold our own blessing by the way we think. Your thoughts can just shut down the blessing of God. I mean, Jesus said that when he was in his hometown and he's there and he couldn't heal anybody. And he's, he was astonished because of their unbelief. So unbelief right in the face of the Son of God will shut down our blessing. That should get all of us going, I am not going to let that happen. I'm going to open up this word, and I'm going to renew my mind until I get it. And we have to keep praying, to the, asking the Holy Spirit, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I mentioned that last week, because we need his help. We need his help to do it. But the, the healing of our mind in our body is deeply rooted, first of all, in the accurate knowledge of God. We have to have accurate knowledge of God. And then the knowledge has to be hooked up with his abiding love for you. That love will heal your body. It'll heal your soul. Yes. Because what we don't understand is we have been disconnected from our original roots. So going back to the garden and looking at what God was wanting to do and in the garden is so important in meditating on that. He's not holding anything against us. Amen. We are welcome back into the presence of God. When, when, of course, when we acknowledge that we need that, there is an acknowledgement and repentance from sin that we, want, we understand, I was made to be with you and I sinned against you. But our sins can be forgiven. We can be reconciled. So Jesus brought us back to the garden. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we may cease from sin, sinning, and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. This is a scripture we can have faith in what he was doing on the cross. He was taking 
the penalty for your sin in his own body on the tree. Your sickness went on him at the cross. Matthew 8, 16 says this, when, evening, when the evening had come, they brought to him, meaning Jesus, many who were possessed with demons. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And he healed all who were sick. How many? How many did he heal? All. So if you were there, you would have been healed. <laughs> and in, th in this way, he fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And he's quoting now from Isaiah 53. I didn't include that in this message, but you can write a little note to yourself. Go read Isaiah 53. He fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities, all of them, and bore away our sicknesses. So forgiveness of our sin brought reconciliation of our relationship with God, which opens the door for the healing of our body in, in this life. He bore in his own body the penalty for your sin by his stripes. It says, we are healed. Notice it doesn't say we are going to be healed. It says we are healed. See, his work is a finished work. Today is the day of salvation. You wouldn't say, well, salvation, we talked about that last week, salvation and healing, wholeness, wellness, preservation, it's all the same meaning. So if today's the is the day of salvation, today is the day for your healing. Amen. He's not holding anything back. And so our response is to open wide our heart, yes. right? That everything that the Father has is ours. But I believe why we don't see a lot of physical healing, even in the church, especially the American church, is we've been thoroughly westernized in our thinking. We're too sophisticated. We want more proof. We have a lot of doctors. We have a lot of medicine. And I'm not putting down doctors and medicine. It's okay to go to a doctor and take medicine. But often, because we have so much access, we give very little time to understanding what Jesus has done for us. And in fact, science, medicine often belittles faith. Well, that's just fantasy. Let's just take the pill. Let's just, you know, get the therapy. We don't seek out God's word to open up our heart. So as we get the therapy and we take the medicine, but we understand who the great physician is. Yeah. It's like, I'm not doing this just in the natural. I'm doing this in opening up my body to the healing power of God. Yeah. yeah. And there's this, why, why do we not see it? I think it's a lot of healing. I think there's this mental block that we have against it that has to be torn down. We have to tear it down. I mean, I, and I do believe that we're living in days when Jesus is preparing his bride for his soon return, his second coming. And even when you think of the, the name bride, the word bride that he uses, it reflects our relationship with him, a bride and a bridegroom, that deep abiding love. Uh, yes, we are his servant. Their scripture says we are the servants of God. And we even then, Jesus says, I'm no longer call you servant. I call you my friend. He moves it up. But then when you, when you look also in scripture, it talks about a covenant relationship we have with him that's compared to the marriage covenant here in the earth. 
A bride and a bridegroom. Now that's deep intimacy, is it not? It takes it beyond servant and even friendship. And he's coming back, he says, for a bride, you know, a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. And even in Revelation, it speaks of saying, behold, the bride has prepared herself. She's all arrayed and beautiful. For him, for him. So a bride and a bridegroom have a deep, abiding love for one another. Jesus is not coming back, I don't believe, for a church that is defeated and stepped on and broken down and really full of sickness. It says he's going to present to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And during this time, during this whole pandemic time, we've had opportunity when our schedules are all shifted off of the normal pattern to spend time. I would encourage you, don't waste this time filling it up with Netflix and whatever else. I'm not saying those things are bad. But be sure you're giving your heart, your mind enough time to fellowship with him in the word of God. Because he wants that deeper relationship. A bridal relationship. Remember the ten virgins? We talked about that in Matthew 25. We mentioned that several times in this series. Virgins reflect that relationship, a pure chaste virgin to Christ. And so when we open up our heart to go in that direction, to fling wide our heart and in trust and love for him, we experience more of his life. That's how that comes in. I think about our know God, find purpose, and experience life. It begins with knowing him accurately. And I do believe in the days ahead, too, uh, that there's going to be a time when the supernatural is going to become more evident. The Holy Spirit will be more evident in the church. Scripture says in the last days there will be false prophets that will do deceiving signs and wonders with the hope that they could deceive even the elect if it were possible. Well, how much more then? Is God just going to sit down and let all that happen? I think, no, he's not going to. When I consider that scenario, I think, how much more should the church be uh, knowledgeable of our authority in Christ and who we are in Christ and let God use our hands and our hearts in faith to bring healing and hope to a lost and dying world, to perform signs and wonders by him. Yeah. I mean, say this with me. Pastor Steve always is like to say this, but say, say this confession with me. These hands, These hands. And, my faith, and my faith and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will do signs and wonders and healings yes through these hands see yes so god wants to use our hands this is we have to tell ourselves does these hands will perform signs and wonders and healings by the help of the holy spirit in the days to come now i know there are some of you that are sitting there you're going like hmm. i hope chances are there are we have to break down that wall And some of it is the confession of our faith, to just say what God says rather than what our mind thinks, right? Yes, we are the ones to do the true signs and wonders in the earth. And God is waiting really for our faith to arise to do it. Our faith has to arise and let us, his glory fill us. And then we go out and lay hands on the sick with the belief that they will recover. 
before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave this. This is on. Our, this will be up on PowerPoint. All authority. He said this to his disciples in Matthew twenty-eight. Verse 18, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to who? He said, to me. Now, therefore, he said, I want you to go. Go, where, go in my authority and make a disciple. And remember, he said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yes. So is he still with us? Yes. Even though we can't see him. Yes even though we can't feel him and touch him. Is he here in the room with us? Yes. He said, if two or more are, are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So he's here with us. Yes, he is. We, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. And Jesus said this to his disciples. Remember that I'm always with you. You're going to have my authority. I'm always going to be with you. Because he knew that they would have opposition from Satan. And the forces of darkness. They're going to go out into the world. And darkness would come against them. How would darkness come against them? It really, the, the main place darkness comes against us is in our mind. Through thoughts, through suggestions. He's not with you. You don't feel him, do you? Some of us could come to church that way. Come in and sit down and just go, well, I mean, depending on your thought life. You know, if your thoughts are scrambling in a negative direction, you could come to church and just sit. And again, you're like, what are you so excited about? <laughs> it's because one person is thinking about the truth and has their mind set on things above, and the other one is, has their mind set on things on the earth and is looking at it only from an earthly, uh, natural viewpoint. And so the devil and darkness is out to deceive and trick us in our mind. God's not with you. He's not for you. You don't have his authority. You don't even have his blessing. We question it. And when we question it, we can let easily just let go of our faith. And when we let go of our faith, we're letting go of our authority. And when we let go of our authority, you're going to let go of the blessing that God had for you. Amen. Where did the blessing drop off? See, we think we're waiting on God. God's saying, I'm waiting for your mind. <laughs> To agree with me. I'm still with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's the battle because we often give up too quick. Right. We base it on the natural and we think, I don't know. I don't get it. Because you have an enemy. You have opposition who's trying to steal. If this were, if, if Pastor Steve had the blessing and I'm coming the enemy, he's always coming to go like this. Come on. Think of, he's not with you. You don't have it. Feel that sickness in your body. You know that I'm not with you. You know you don't, you're not healed. And pretty soon, he pulls it away because if his mind is thinking to the negative, guess who has the blessing? I mean, the devil has stolen it. He's the Give thief. He's the thief. <laughs> Look at this. says 1 John 5, 19. It says, we know that we are of God. Now, that knowing is an assurance. We know. Do you know that you are of God? And the whole world is under, around us, is under the power of the evil one. <laughs> That's a big statement. You, you, you look around and you want to know, why is the world in the mess it's in? See, some people want to blame it on God. Well, if God's the creator of the world, why is the world in the mess it's in? Well, they leave out a big faction. 
They leave out the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. And that's why you have the greed for power. This is why you have sickness and chaos and destruction and hatred and violence and all the rest. Satan is called the, the God of this world, God little g. He's called the God of this world. And he's been working generation to generation, planting thoughts, subtle suggestions into people's minds with the intention that it would govern their minds so much that their heart would just slowly be drawn away and go to the broad path of the world. Yeah. So, because when something captures your mind, when something captures your mind, it has the power to control your life. Because... Our thoughts turn into feelings. You think about something, you get up in the morning, and if you start negative in the morning, pretty soon you're feeling bummed out. The world is looking dark. Nobody likes me. I feel insecure. And, you know, you get angry. Then pretty soon your, your mood is, you're angry. And maybe your spouse is like, what's up with you? You got up in a good mood. But the, maybe the other person didn't. But it's often because of our thought perspective because it, those thoughts turn into feelings, which turn into attitudes and behaviors, and pretty soon they're controlling your life. And we want to sometimes do different things to make our life better. Well, if I just get out of this one environment, it'll be better. But it's really up here is what has to change mostly. Because wherever you go, you're taking your thoughts with you. So mind renewal is so important. A, a, a newer translation of Proverbs 23 I don't have this up on the PowerPoint, but in Proverbs 23 says to guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard because out of your heart comes the forces of life. So what you think in your mind gets sunk into your heart and it's, gonna, it's going to produce life. A newer translation, that's Proverbs 4.23, says be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Your thoughts are running your life. And if it's, the Bible has two choices on the matter. It calls one the mind of the flesh. That's just going to be up on, up on the PowerPoint. The mind of the flesh. We can think with the mind of the flesh or we can think with the mind of the spirit. And the mind of the flesh is simply this. Your thoughts and your outlook, your mind, your outlook, concerning yourself and life is shaped and governed by the thoughts and suggestions from the world. So you just think with the natural. You judge everything by the natural, what you can taste, touch, smell, see, and hear, right? And the world will tell you all kinds of things. <laughs> You're just not good enough. You're just not smart enough. You're just not pretty enough. <laughs> You're not able enough. Shame-based thoughts. Satan is really good at shame-based thoughts. How could God love you after you've done that, right? Fearful thoughts. God doesn't love you and care for you enough to heal you. Oh, yeah, I know that person got healed, but you won't get healed. Greedy. I mean, all kinds of thoughts. Thoughts about greed. Lustful thoughts. Thoughts about sickness or get-even thoughts. I'm going to take my own path here and get even. Or I, if we're talking about sickness, the whisper is, and I've struggled with this so much, you know, you're going to always have this infirmity. This runs in your family. <laughs> That's a biggie. 
I know. And that's, that's the new thought. I have new DNA. New blood runs in my, <laughs> through me. But so subtly these thoughts are planted and they subconsciously get into our heart and they're really speaking to our mind. You're not really worth inner healing. You're not really worth being made whole. And if we don't know how to resist these thoughts, I mean, for one thing, we have to come uh, to discover, my thoughts are messed up. <laughs> I remember when I started reading the Bible, I was like, wow, I, have, I, have, I thought I was pretty optimistic. I'm pretty pessimistic. <laughs> I'm pretty fearful. I really don't understand who I'm meant to be, my identity. Because if we don't know how to resist those thoughts, they just become a part of your belief system. And pretty soon they're running your life. The way you look at yourself, the way you look at other people, the way you look at your future, it runs your life. And it's often our thoughts and not even our circumstances that cause us to sink. And then maybe nothing has even happened. And you've already painted the picture that it's going to go down a negative road, right? We've done that and nothing's happened. Who, somebody along the way said, I've, I love that quote, I've, I've had a great many problems and troubles in my life. Most of them never happened. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, when I came to Christ, I thought, that was me. I was, <laughs> I'm doing myself no good by the way I think. Romans 5, 8, 5. Oh, my, we're running out of time. This is, I, we have next week. I didn't even get to the main, one main scripture but it's some, from 2 Corinthians, but we'll look at this and then close out. Romans 8, 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh have their outlook or their mind shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook and their mind shaped by the things of the Spirit. Yes, that's right. That's a good confession. For the mind governed by the flesh, it says, is hostile to God because it's resisting the goodness of God. It's just, I don't want to go that way. And you'll notice that your mind will be like that. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's right. That's right. See, because if we're in the flesh, we've kind of... <laughs> dwindled out of faith and this is why it's not pleasing to God because God desires that we walk by faith and not by sight but so the Bible tells us just through those the couple of verses that there are two mindsets that we can walk in the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit and of course he's telling us walk in the spirit walk with the mind of the spirit to have your and the mind of the spirit will close out with this is your thoughts uh, and your outlook concerning yourself and your life is shaped and governed by faith and trust in God and his word. Hallelujah. So I guess we we'll, can't believe this is over already. I feel like I just got started. <laughs> we have so much more. I have so much more to share. And I do believe God's going to open up your eyes, the eyes of your understanding, uh, to see and know the hope of our calling. Because we have entered into a new kingdom. Amen. Amen. We've entered into a new kingdom when we're born 
of God. We are people who now walk by faith. We look to the things that are not seen, to the unseen. They're higher than what we see in the earth. And um, he's here, yeah. We worship you, Lord. And so let's just take a moment here as we close out. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. This is not a work. Mind renewal isn't something we just do in its self-effort. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so let's just make it personal. Holy Spirit, help me. Ask him, help me. Help me with my mind. Show me, Lord, the trickery that the devil is playing on me and I'm not even aware. Show me those subtle thoughts that I've taken and I've assumed were you and they're not. God, I, I, I pray, Father, I will, with your help and by your grace, I will cast them down. Any thoughts that exalt themselves higher than you, higher than your love, thoughts from the devil that would say, you're not worthy. I'm taking your thought, Lord, that you've redeemed me, you've reconciled me, you've made me one with you. I'm abiding there. I make a determination to abide there. Help me with your grace to stay there and abide there, not be there one moment and running out the next, but abiding in that secret place of the Most High. We are one with you, never. You said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I pray that would strengthen our spirit, Lord, to know with full assurance of what you've done for us. We worship you, Lord. And then I just want to take a moment. If, if anyone in here at the sound of my voice questions, wonders, am I born again? If I died today, would I go to heaven? Salvation is a gift. I explained it a little bit in this message. Jesus came to forgive you of your sin, and your sins have to be forgiven before you could be welcomed back into heaven. And if you would want forgiveness for your sin today, you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we could just, if there is anybody in here, is there anybody in here that says, yeah, I, I want to do that? or anybody even at the sound of my voice. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. You all pray it with me. And uh, if you pray this prayer, I want you to be sure that you contact us. Let somebody know that you've given your life to Christ. And just say, Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. I thank you for saving me from my sin and making me a new creation in Christ. I'll rely on your power to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.